John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat eat all the leftover leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel up up the hill and then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have not seen a so perhaps maybe Before that's what the, all this happened, per, there, has, there was not any trouble on our street. That's not true. I will not be aware of racism the way my black brothers and sisters will be, the way my Hispanic brothers and sisters will be. So I think it is very important to listen. The chief is very much committed to addressing any issues of racial inequality. I believe very much in peaceful protest. This place is mainly full of rich, retired white people. I support filing charges against people who block off our highways. It's really important for our highways to be safe. Yeah, I don't think the uh, police department around here as far as I'm concerned, when you start condemning me for being racist simply because of my complexion and not knowing anything about my background, that's frankly pretty disgusting. I don't like that.
This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. Today is August 25th, 2020, and I'm here in a very gloomy, a cloudy San Luis Obispo. We're here because we're here a second time to cover the rally and the press conference for Tiana Rana. It will be at the courthouse here in San Luis Obispo, and we will find out uh, from the people on the ground, as well as the protesters for Tiana, and maybe we may get some that are against Tiana and find out what is the really the tensions here in San Luis Obispo. I want to make sure I also add an extra element to it. Jacob Blake here from Wisconsin was shot and, and recently found out that he's paralyzed seven times by the police. So this is in the wings of this and in the element and the environment of this. San Luis Obispo has sent a message out to protesters here to stay in their place, to protest in the way that they considered it to be protesting, as well as holding people accountable that are young, that are protesting against injustice. They just want you to shut up, but they're using every method if they possibly can to make an example out of Tiana Arana. So what do we do? Do we allow these criminal acts to continue? Do we act and we allow respectability politics to continue to thrive? In order for a protest to be heard, it has to make people uncomfortable. It has to get your attention. And based on the environment here, that's gonna be very difficult to do. This is Theodore Henderson from Louisiana House. I thank you all for listening and may we again meet in the light of understanding. This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. We are here at the city of San Luis Obispo. We are here to reinvestigate and find out the further status about Tiana Arata. Today she holds a press conference at 10 o'clock. A rally will ensue to support her as well as to dramatize the rights for her and to remove the eight felonies and the other misdemeanors that they have tacked on Tiana Arata. The second thing is, this is a veiled message from people that want the people of color here to keep stay in their place or protest according to their expectations. They're setting the standards. They do not want uh, people to speak out against injustice here because they don't want to hear it in the first place. San Luis Obispo is a very wealthy white area where the people of color have to watch their step in order to be considered a threat by the San Luis Obispo police. This is becoming much more clearer by having a conversation with one of the white gentrifiers here that came up and had a conversation with me and tried to tone police me and tried to tone police the movement about Tiana Arana. They're blaming her for some fictitious harm about somebody that got harmed, which didn't happen. This is Theo Henderson from William House. More to follow. Hello, is this the 4th of July? 
Every day is the 4th of July here in America. Uh, I'm with we in the house. I have, I have a few questions. What is this to keep our highway safe? What's going on here? Well, what I'm concerned about, because I, I believe very much in peaceful protest, but I'm concerned that when um, the highways were blocked off by protesters, um, that the, that's illegal for a good reason. And so I support filing charges against people who block off our highways, because it's really important for our highways to be safe. But the person that they filed it with was not even there. She was gone. So well, she Michael, was there. No. Yeah, there, there there's pictures. There, there's there's pictures and video of her on the highway, standing in the median. She was standing in the median. And she was telling there was a car that had a pregnant woman in them, and she said, sorry, and they wouldn't let them through. She was delivering her baby on the highway. Oh. She was part of that. You need to watch the whole video. I did, watch the video. which is what uh, interesting how we could see, the, see it differently. But, uh, so my question is, what if you guys are doing to correct, to correct or eradicate the racism things that goes on here in San Luis Obispo? Uh, we have not seen racism in ah. San Luis Obispo. So perhaps maybe Before that's what the- Before all this happened, there, has, there was not any trouble on our street. Uh, that's not true, because many of people of color have, I've interviewed have said that there has been some issues and that you guys maybe have been resisted or dismissive of their issues. So the question really again remains is, what are you guys are going to do? Maybe they won't have to be on the highways if you guys would take the time to listen. So, so one thing, one thing that if I could speak to that. Okay. Because I I've grew up here on the Central Coast. I've lived in Los Angeles. I've lived in San Francisco. Um, one of the things that really impresses me about Slow PD is the chief is very much committed to addressing any issues of racial inequality, whether it's perceived or actual. And, you know, if we look at um, Los Angeles uh, PD as an example of what they did after the Rodney King riots of 1992, they cleaned up that department. There were issues in the department. Um, no, one, no one will argue that and they've really addressed a lot of those issues. And I still, and so all of us here support our law enforcement. I can speak for myself that we support our chief who is addressing those issues and listening to members of the community. Yes, that's, good. that's an excellent point you said, listening to the community. It seems like that only select people that are listening to this person of the community, but the people of color have a different conversation that seems like it's deliberately overlooked. Because from what I hear from you guys, racism doesn't exist here. But yet, the people of color have been trying to get your attention, and maybe it's possible just possible so, that so, so have you talked to the chief? I've talked yeah, to there, the right, people of color that, that are experiencing the racial issue. So have they, have they talked to the chief? Because from what I hear, what she's saying is that she has an open door policy with organizations like the NAACP, like the Jewish community, like My the, the, the Latinx community. community. The, the chief is not representative of everybody. The chief is not the person necessarily doing the racial incident. The issue is, once again, is the people of color are saying that there's a racial problem, and here are a pe bunch of people who saying that it doesn't exist. So, so what so is the racial problem? What is the racial on. problem? It's, it's 
I, we just said it. You just don't. Can I address that? Okay. I'm actually wearing a hat that says make racism wrong again because I'm very concerned about it. And you bring up a good point that since as a white person, I will not be aware of racism the way my black brothers and sisters will be, the way my Hispanic brothers and sisters will be. So I think it is very important to listen. And one of the things that concerns me why I believe in peaceful protest is that the message can be obscured when there's breaking the law, when people's lives are put in danger. Because I've been around long enough and I've engaged in peaceful protest and I've engaged in civil disobedience. And so I fully support that. Let me ask you a question then. If that's the case, that you guys are fully committed to it, why would they need to do that if if they keep hearing the same thing that there is no racial problem here? And people of color keep saying that there is and trying to get your attention and no one wants to hear that. But then as soon as they go and make a protest, a dramatic protest on the freeway, everyone is up in arms. Maybe it would not have been that way if they would have been listening to in the first place. That's what I see, see to me. It's a lot of blame going around, but it seems like it always seems to be the person of color who has to bring, the, bring it up to people who refuse to hear them in the first place. That's what, I, that's what my investigation is covering. And right now, even here, you know, I haven't seen anyone says, you know what, we have, we need to shut up sometimes and listen to people that have had it happen to us. What I hear is we need to follow the law, they keep our highways safe, the hell with them, we don't have racism here, it's just a bunch of troublemakers out to agitate the, uh, the community. That's, that's what it looks like to me, but maybe, maybe the racism doesn't exist here, maybe it's like Walt Disney, but Pollyanna existence. So, yo, just please. Make America great again. We've we've got individual cases of racism, of course. You've got racism is a sign of racism is a sign of stupidity. You've got to be stupid to be a racist. I can't say it any other way. You have uh, the occasional white racist out there. You have the occasional racist of every ethnic group. Stupid people who prejudge others based on the color of their skin. Now you've got the other concept that's been sold out there in the meantime, and I think it's a fraudulent concept of systemic racism, which has boiled down to people actually saying all whites are racist and no person of color can be racist because it's all about power. And that is, as far as I'm concerned, when you start condemning me for being racist simply because of my complexion and not knowing anything about my background, that's frankly pretty disgusting. I don't like that. Now, I'm involved in Paso Robles and the Culture Task Force we set up there because I'm on the school board up there. And we know that there are individual instances of racism and we want to combat that in our school district and elsewhere in the community. It's now being more shifted over to the city government that they're running the Culture Task Force. Because now, before when I first came up here, there was no such thing as racism. Now I'm hearing that there are individual cases of racism. That's the point. That's the point. What they're trying to get to you guys to understand. And maybe it would not have been to that point where they would have to get out in the freeway in the first place. But well, that they're, seems to they're, they're be not. Over they're not. I don't think they're protesting that. They're protesting what they call systemic racism, which, as I say, is a, as far as I'm concerned, and I've studied the issue quite extensively. It's a fraudulent scheme set up that's developed through academia since about 1950 or 1970 and it's this way of just blood blush blasting the entire society as being a racist society and therefore we have to tear it down there's a lot in America I want to preserve it's a great country and where we do run into individuals who are racist 
them. You know, they should they should be uh, pushed pushed in their corner and and taught differently. But you don't see you don't see racism as employ in employment here, discrimination, employment. Any employer would be a fool to do that. He gets sued immediately. There's been cases that have been shown that there has been discrimination against people. And then, they get, then they get sued. Right? Or there's, so there's no broad but, but, you, but you keep saying that there's no racism that exists. It does exist, and it started. This country started out from a racist standpoint, and if, if we can't get around this. Well, because of what's actually indigenous people that we are on. This is of a course not, plan. but you apply the morals of today to the society because of the world 250 years ago. It's, it's very strange, you know, that, that's, a, that's so called hindsight bias. Mm -hmm. You know, you hindsight, get, you, hindsight, it's a term from accounting also. Uh -huh. uh, you're looking, looking back at the situation then from the situation that it is uh, uh, from the morals of today. At the time when our founding fathers were active, they were terribly enlightened. Look, at that time, slavery was worldwide. And Jim Crow, my parents was, lived through Jim Crow. My I parents lived through Jim Crow. My parents lived through sure, segregation. Sure. So that, the idea when, when you say that white privilege doesn't exist, that was a systematic a system that approached. And I, 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 I remember the early 1960s. I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy. I grew up in so the that, 60s that, that, you know, and, uh, and the 50s. And I remember the situation. And I remember sitting in front of my TV with my parents, and we were rooting myself for Martin Luther King. You know, go, go, go. We, we thought it was fantastic. But his speeches talk about systemic racism too. His, 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 his speeches were more than just about I have a dream. I knew, I, I, like I say, I knew the family very well. He was concerned about the the historic uh, impact of racism, and yeah. we've done a lot. You know, we had in the war on poverty, we've had countless programs for the last two generations and to combat that. And we've, done, and we've done a pretty good job, but uh, there's, there's still social issues we have to address. What I find is we get systemic racism being used as sort of an alibi. We've got serious issues in Chicago, New York, the shootings, you know the situation in uh, some of our inner cities. I lived in the inner cities a couple of times in my youth, and it's, it, was, it was tough. But, but if you blame systemic racism, then you've got a good alibi and you don't have to look at some of the other aspects in, what, what the, lo aspects? in the local communities that are causing problems, such as condemning the snitch mentality. I think if people want to have their neighbors safe, snitch on the, on the gangbangers. You gotta work with the police, not against the police. If the police are harassing and terrorizing a community, then that's very difficult. And it's also even more difficult when you keep hearing people say that racism doesn't exist. How are you gonna get new charges? You always gotta get back to that definition of racism. There's the Martin Luther King definition, the common definition, prejudging somebody by the color of their skin. He goes even further and he talks about that. He, hears, he goes further than just that. That's the problem with the quality of the basic. We lost relatives in the Holocaust. You know, yeah, so now talk, talk, talk about racism. That was sort of the ultimate. Non plus ultra racism, right? And so a lot of people, a lot of people can relate to the the pain of being judged by your ethnicity. They really can. And uh, that's what I think makes, makes racism itself so evil it's, and so stupid because it is. Looking at somebody and just by that appearance, judging them without paying any attention to what's underneath. So we support the right to peacefully protest.
I say free. You say Tiana. Free. Free. Tiana. Free. Tiana. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. My name is Curtis Briggs. I'm one of the attorneys for Tiana Arada. We're here for three reasons today. One, to respectfully ask Dan Dow to reject these charges as they've been recommended by the Slow Police Department. Not just for moral reasons, but because these charges are false. Two, we're calling for the immediate termination of Deanna Contrell, Police Chief of Slow. the citizens of slow yes. to keep an open mind because if you're called for this jury you're gonna need to hear the real facts not what Deanna control put out in the media we're gonna need you to serve on this jury yeah. Woo! Yeah. chief controls actions are vile, they're reckless. The reason we are here today is because she retaliated against Tiana Rada, a beautiful young woman who's doing everything that we want American youth to do. Yes! yes. yes. Chief Control's blunder drew national attention and put slow in the spotlight in a national controversy. Chief Control's blunder amplified demonstrations and protests. Chief Control's blunder jeopardized the peace and safety of this community. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Chief Control's Police officers deserve better than that. Yes. Instead, having slow devote money towards training, more time off, better equipment, learning how to de-escalate, pay raises, she's going to have this city spend millions of dollars litigating this case. She's robbing the taxpayers and the citizens of what they are entitled to which is justice. Finally, I have a message for the citizens of Slow. I was born and raised in Southern California. This community is built on principle. Slow citizens believe in the truth. They believe in the Constitution. And they believe in the principles of our founding fathers. We may disagree on politics. We may disagree on race. We may disagree on a lot of things. Or we might agree. We might be surprised. But what no citizen of Slow disagrees on is that no one wants 
this innocent young woman wrongfully convicted and going to prison. going to hear from about 10 speakers. All of them are extremely powerful. Many of them are members of this community, business leaders, social leaders, moral leaders. Please hear them out. Thank you. making it out this morning. My name is Melissa Elizalde and I am a 20-year-old activist, student, and the campaign manager for Free Tiana Coalition. I have been an organizer in the community advocating for black and brown lives alongside my best friend Tiana Arada. I knew that I had a responsibility to myself and all, and all the BIPOC community to be the voice of the voiceless. My whole life I have struggled on where I fit in in society because I was systematically taught I was less than for being a Mexican woman. As I got older, it became clear we are not living in post-racial America. Racism did not end when they told me it did in school. I began to realize that the very things I was being bullied in, for, in school for was blatant, blatant racism. Ever since I became aware of the systematic and social oppression in our society, I began learning how to use my voice. Following the death of George Floyd, Tiana, myself, our friends, and our supportive slow community came together to not let injustices go unseen in San Luis Obispo. What we want to see is a community who loves and supports each other, a place where all can call home and be comfortable, happy, and proud of that. July 21st at 4 p.m. was a beautiful day full of clear skies and a positive community coming together to demand change. What the day ended was a terrifying display of police force and lasting trauma I do not wish on anyone. I will never be able to explain the pain and terror that I felt. However, to this day, I still have hope for our community of San Luis Obispo and a country as a whole. While I was being escorted to my car the night, that night in a state of fear and shock, a random communi community member, a mother, someone I had never met before approached me in the midst of my crying, she pulled me close and hugged me and let me know that she's there for me and will not allow this to continue. That gave me hope that we can be an eye-opener and people can realize we have the power to come together and support and embrace everyone in the community. I will continue for the rest of my life to stand up for black and brown and all marginalized communities. Myself and the Free Tiana Coalition demand that all charges not be filed against Tiana Arada and any other protester arrested.
Buenos días, San Luis Obispo. My name is Rita Casaverde. I'm the chair of the Slow County Democratic Party. I don't pretend to represent every single Democrat in this county, but I am here proudly representing the party that welcomed me, a brown immigrant woman with open arms. I'm here today because of two reasons. First, this is personal. July 21st was a different day to each one of us here. For me, it was an awful day from the get-go. I've experienced racism by individuals and institutions in this county many times. So waking up to the news of Sheriff Ian Parkinson saying that he had never seen any indication of systemic racism in this county was insulting. The same day, we witnessed hateful comments towards protesters in the DA's Facebook post. That evening, Tiana was arrested. It's that level of hostility that makes it hard to be here. It is also the small things. For example, many years ago, I was at a concert and I bought my favorite sweatshirt. It has the name of a song that I really like. The song is called Time Bomb. I love this sweatshirt, but I'm brown. I can't wear that sweatshirt. It says Time Bomb written all over it. You might think it's silly that I'm overthinking this, but I've seen too many comments in the last couple of weeks talking about Tiana's riot t-shirt to know that I'm not overthinking it. We don't all share the same freedom, even if they're screaming about it. The second reason Let them hear us. The second reason we're here today, we need to move forward. Look, I don't think everyone in this county is ready to have an honest conversation about race. Some even in this community, I think we'll support the status quo that benefits some and prosecutes others. But I think they're the minority. I think that the majority of our county is ready to move forward and deal with temporary discomfort in order to get loud and long-lasting positive change. This here today, you today is a great step forward. Today we are donating our voices or time to have these tough conversations and we're coming together stronger because of Tiana and because many young people who are non-conforming and that are asking for better. Slow County needs Tiana's vibrant, colorful and powerful self to be freed and the Slow County Democratic Party is here to support it. with a Mexican proverb. Trataron de enterrarnos. No sabían que éramos semillas. Which translates to, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Thank you. Good morning, friends.
My name is Rick Stolmeyer. I'm a Navy veteran. I wore the cloth of our nation to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that Constitution has enshrined in it freedom of speech, especially speech that we don't agree with. So I honor the speech here, and I honor the speech across the street. I love all of you. I'm also the founder of Mind Body. My co-founders and I started a scrappy little company in my garage 20 years ago, and today it's the largest private employer on the Central Coast. I care deeply about economic opportunity and jobs, and we've got a challenge here on the Central Coast. And that challenge is entirely wrapped up in this topic. The lack of diversity in this community, in addition to being a moral and ethical issue, is also an economic issue for us. I'm a founding member of REACH, the regional coalition of local leaders that are striving for economic opportunity. And I'm a father and a husband. Jill and I have raised four kids here in San Luis Obispo. We're committed to this community, and we plan to spend the rest of our lives here. We count among our circle of friends, people, frankly, on both sides of the street. We have friends, that, that we have a deputy sheriff who's a friend. She was one of the first responders in Napomo when that mentally ill man got out of a car and started shooting people. Those, those first responders, those CHP and deputy sheriffs saved people's lives last Friday in our community, and we owe them a debt of gratitude. Thank you, you're heroes. So what do we have in common here today? I think we all, all of us love this community and we're all worried and afraid for our future. And the events of 2020 have shaken us to our core. Who, could, who of us could have imagined on New Year's Eve what was in store for us in this magical new roaring 20s? A pandemic wreaking havoc on our lives, a pandemic tearing apart our economy. And then, these horrible killings of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, bringing to surface deep systemic problems in our country. Problems that, that are really uncomfortable to face, but are realities that have been here for decades and decades. I, I had, as a middle-aged white dude, I had to come to the, the realization that the promise of equality of the civil rights movement of my childhood, of Martin Luther King and John Lewis and so many other heroes, isn't done yet. They did amazing things. We've made some progress that is not done yet. And what I see happening today, what I see in this beautiful audience, and what I see with Tiana, as I see young people who are idealistic, who, who care about our future, and you know what, older folks like me, the future is theirs. This will be their country, this will be their society and their community. And I think what they stand up for is powerful, it's important, and it's precious that we have young people who are idealistic and care. That's why I'm here right now. The first, time, the first time I saw a Black Lives Matter sign was when my daughters Madison and Elena, uh, 16 and 20 years old, went online on Amazon and ordered one. Okay, the thing shows up on our front door, they plant it in the front yard, and I was like, okay. Um, um, Black Lives Matter, yeah. I mean, don't all lives matter, you know? And then. I didn't really get it at first. I want to admit that to you. And then I begin to hear from, from my own children. I heard from our friends and, our, and the MindBody employees. There are 900 MindBody employees in this community. I listen to stories of racism and bias. I mean, firsthand, subtle racism and also much more overt racism. Stories of black people being treated as suspect or different simply because of the color of their skin. Really? In 2020? I was shocked. So. When the Black Lives Matter protest started in our community, I was frankly first surprised at the level of intensity. I mean, 
Um, really? Like, we have that much to be upset about here. I didn't get it. Because I'm not black. And I'm not young. But then I remembered the first rule of parenting, and that is that when your child feels what they feel is re their reality, when they skin their knees and they come home and they're sobbing because uh, they hurt or somebody bullied them at school, a parent doesn't tell their child, no, you don't hurt. That's not real. No, we first acknowledge their pain, we tend to their wounds, and we help them heal. And as parents, we listen, we show compassion, we practice empathy, and then we help them address the problem. And so I feel that that's what needs to happen today with all of the young people here. And can we just take a moment? Can we just take a moment? If you live here on the Central Coast, regardless of how you stand on the issue, would you please just raise your hand as a member of this community? So these are our neighbors. These are our children. Above all, we just need to listen to them. And look, we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah, by the way, how many people have reached out to me since I heard I was going to be here and say, have you seen those video clips? Um, yeah, I can't say I agree with all of it. I can't say that I think that that was all the best way to go about it, but we're all human beings, you know? And I, I put my life on the line for this country to give people the right to speak their mind, even when I disagree with them. And, and the principle at work here is all the right principles. It's the principles of, of freedom, of freedom of speech, of equality and diversity. So while I, I know there are many different points of view represented here today, I believe we can all agree that we have a real problem in our country. I mean, just yesterday, a black man was shot eight times in the back by police officers while he was attempting to get into the car with his children. We don't know the facts yet, we don't know what happened. But my God, what is going on in this country? Yes, of course all lives matter. But the focus right now is there is a specific group of people in our country who have had their lives put at risk. And this isn't opinion, this is fact. The numbers support it, it's data. So black lives matter, absolutely. Just like all of our lives matter. We're living in troubled times. How do we find our way out of this? How do we make our community, our nation, and our world a better place for our children? I don't know exactly, but I think it has something to do with consciously choosing love over fear. It comes from just practicing the hard work of empathy. It's about putting down these damn devices for a few minutes and actually listening to each other and having real conversations. And it comes from assuming good intent. Let's assume that the other person is actually trying to do something good, as most people in the world are trying to do something good. Let's acknowledge their humanity, and let's especially practice these things when there's issues that we disagree about. I had the honor a couple years ago of meeting Michelle Obama, and she said, it is hard to hate up close. And I think in these troubled times, we all need to get a bit closer to each other. That is Jill's and my hope and prayer for San Luis Obispo and for our nation. Thank you. Coast. That's what's up. 
It's been an honor and a privilege to live here my whole life, aside from the four years that I spent in San Diego in college. I currently operate as a junior high youth pastor at New Life Community Church in Pismo Beach. So I'm back here on the Central Coast. Can't get rid of me very soon, I assume. I'll be here for a while. And because I'll be here for a while, that also means that you won't get rid of my voice for a while. I'm also a seminary student, so when I'm not mentoring teenagers, I'm studying. I'm all these things. I'm a student, I'm a leader, I'm a pastor. But before I was any of that, I was a black woman. And I know that a lot of us here on the Central Coast like to quote Oprah, who said San Luis Obispo was the happiest city in America. But Oprah Winfrey didn't go to high school here as a black woman in America. It's easy to paint smiles on this city when you ignore the blatant racism that young black and brown people have been experiencing since the moment they came out of the womb if they were born here, and since the moment they moved here if they're from out of town. I'm a friend of Tiana's, and Tiana Arada has by far become the spearhead of the movement against racism here in San Luis Obispo County. But all of Tiana's opposers seem to enjoy to negate the trauma she's experienced at the hands of racism. See, people don't understand that trauma actually lives in the body. So when someone experiences trauma at the hands of racism, like myself or Tiana, that trauma tends to express itself through panic attacks, through fear, through anxiety, and protest is actually an extremely healthy outlet to release that trauma from our bodies. So physically marching through the streets, physically shouting with everything in our being, Physically crying publicly is a healthy, beautiful outlet of trauma. Y'all, Tiana Arada did not choose to spearhead this movement. We, the movement, chose her because we need her. Tiana's voice is not the loudest but it's filled with purity, it's filled with honesty, it's filled with loyalty, it's filled with love, it's filled with joy, and it's also filled with the echoes of personal tragedy as a result of racism. We need her voice, and just because it challenges and disrupts and confronts our racism does not make it bad. It actually makes it an extremely healthy component of growth. Tiana does not hate the Central Coast. Tiana loves the Central Coast so much that she is dedicated day in, day out, week in, week out, month after month to the streets, speaking up for black lives on the Central Coast because she wants us to be better. And the fact that not one thing has been looted 
and not one riot has been has started on the Central Coast is actually directly because of the precedent that Tiana set for us as a leader. So we owe her a giant thank you. Drop her charges. Good morning. My name is Michael Boyer. I'm a founding director of the Diversity Coalition of San Luis Obispo County. I'm also a business owner and a community leader working every day to make San Luis Obispo a better place to live. I have run and operated businesses here in San Luis Obispo for over 20 years. I support both the business community and Black Lives Matter demonstrations. They are not mutually exclusive. We are working as a community to build an anti-racist environment. Disruption is the, is the purpose of protesting. It's a fundamental tenet of our democracy. Black people who are peacefully protesting should not be targeted by police just because they're black. By targeting and arresting the high-profile black woman without arresting any of the hundreds of white people who also participated in the false imprisonment. The slow PD has proven its role in local systemic racism. Because of this action, I am even more fearful of racial targeting. I've been pulled over 20 plus times in my life. I know what targeting is. I fit the description way too many times. Tiana should be revered for standing up for racial justice. Her courage, her leadership, her enthusiasm will improve black lives in the future. Tiana is fighting for our freedom. She is fighting for all of us, all Americans. Tiana is, Ameri is an American patriot. Yeah. As another American hero, Fannie Lou Hamer once said, nobody is free until everybody is free. Tiana.
before I start my speech, I want to say something to you that I say to my kids all the time. If you're making change, you're going to have opposition. I want to thank those protesters over there on the corner for showing that we're making change. My name is Jen Ford. I am a co-founder of Women's March San Luis Obispo. And I'm a mother of two young women who have been raised in San Luis Obispo County. My daughter Alexa, who's here, is an activist. She has led protesters on her school campus and in our community. As a mother, I have my fears about her safety and her well-being both in her activism work and in her daily life. Yet I know that unlike Tiana and her mother, there is a long list of worries we never have to think about. We live in the same community, yet we live completely in different worlds. Part two of the press conference for Tiana Arada in San Luis Obispo. We have some counter protesters here.
Juliana. These excessive charges are nothing new. This is an old tactic that they've used on many liberators before you, including Dr. Melina Abdullah. Same he some here with us today. The oppressor criminalizes, get this, uh, you know, because it's a little wordy. The oppressor criminalizes the liberator so that the oppressor can look like the liberator when they lock us up. A wolf in sheep's clothing. You stand in the vein of many liberators and these ancestors are here with you today and they are walking with you every day and they are proud of you. Sometimes it's not enough to say we're with you. Sometimes we gotta pull up and show others we mean business. And that's why we're here today. Thank you, Tiana. Thank you for your love for us, for taking a strong stance against the leg legacy of slave catching and oppression. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. We will continue to fight with you. We will continue to win. As we say, when we fight, we win. 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 We fight, we win. Black lives. Thank you, Tiana. Black people deserve 
not just to survive, but thrive. Throughout history, black communities have fought for our rights, for our freedom, and our self-determination. People like Dr. King and Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker and John Lewis and Diane Nash all risked their lives for black people, all risked their lives for this country, all risked their lives for so-called American democracy. Tiana Arada, she is a part of that legacy. A legacy of young black people who have taken to the streets to make sure that this place, this place that we call the United States of America sees us, believes us, and ensures our freedom. Tiana took to the streets to create peace and justice, and she has been met with criminaliz criminalization. This town, Dan Dow, we are calling on you to reject these charges. We are calling on you to show up for black lives. We are calling on you to leave those counter protesters in the dust. Arada deserves our praise. Tiana Arada deserves our praise. Tiana Arada deserves our praise. Not a threat to be in prison. Not a threat to be in a jail cell. Not handcuffs. Not badges. She deserves our praise. Obispo, do not let her down. Do not let black people down in this city and in this county. Make sure she is free. Make sure that these charges are rejected. And if they dare to take this to trial, put your bodies on the line. Because that is what Tiana has done can hear us. We're going to chant this so Dan Dow, who's out of town, can hear us. So Deanna Cantrell can hear us. So your sheriff can hear us. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to win. It's our duty to win. We must love each other and support each other. We must like each other and support each other. support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. One more time, y'all. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. It is our duty to fight for our freedom. 
cachet, y'all. time on behalf of everyone. Thank you very much for turning out. Yeah. This, we are winning this fight. But this is just the beginning. If Dan Dow files any charges whatsoever against Tiana, we need to amplify this by 10. We need to build momentum. We may be in trial within three months during times of COVID when we won't get a broad jury poll. Who will show up to jury duty during COVID? People across the street. So we need you. We need you to show up to jury duty. We need you to register to vote. We need you to talk about this with your neighbors. illustrious Dr. Melina Abdullah. She is a proponent of Black Lives Matter. She's one of the co-founders. And I wanted to get her perspective on the events that have transpired and what her uh, insight is on this situation. Thank you very much for your time. She's a very busy lady. Um, I've been following your career extensively and particularly uh, demanding uh, equitably to be uh, as the professor at the school that overlooked your talents and your skills and lived experience. Uh, so, Dr. Abdullah, what's your insights on the matter here? Sure. So, what our sister Tiana is facing is what happens anytime black people stand up for freedom, stand up for ourselves, right? That it's a struggle, right? We don't just call it a struggle in theory, it is a struggle in practice, right? So, when we're saying we need to chant down, we need to topple these systems of injustice, that system tries to dig its heels in. And so, what they've done as Tiana Arata has fought for freedom for black people and demanded that black lives matter all over the country, but also here in San Luis Obispo, is she is facing the charges that come from the state that she is challenging. We're saying she's not going to face those charges alone. And for me, it's especially important. Last year, people in Los Angeles will remember that I faced um, eight felony, eight misdemeanor counts that could have cost me three and a half years in jail. What won for me is that hundreds of people continued to show up. And the district attorney, the city attorney, was forced to drop those charges in Los Angeles. The district attorney here in San Luis Obispo, we're demanding that he also drop the charges against Tiana Arada. And we're saying we're going to continue to stand with her, we're going to continue to show up. Uh, I noticed what my kids, again, this, I noticed like the MAGA, the Make America Great, or the Trump supporters are over there. They were trying to drown out, fortunately, you guys were overwhelmingly with support, uh, trying to drown out their perspective. Why, 
what is the divide? Because I've interviewed him. They honestly don't believe that there's any racial problems here. Right. I don't know if they honestly believe that there's no racial problems here. They are the racial problem, right? <laughs> so it's really important that we call them for what they are. They are white supremacists. They're people who believe in anti-blackness and ascribe to anti-blackness. Anytime someone is saying a 20-year-old young woman deserves to be imprisoned for raising her voice, they are hateful, they are white supremacists. And so it's important to call them for what they are. Um, and they're also pitiful. There's like, this is their town and they couldn't muster more than a dozen or so folks. You know, we got more than that on the bus from LA. So we're not worried about them. We will drown them out and we'll beat them. We'll make sure Tiana's free. What is uh, also one of the things I noticed too is I have, I have a theory, and I don't know if this is true, but I also think that was an idea for them to threaten the newer protest that if we attack Tiana, the other people won't protest. But that doesn't seem like that was successful. Do you think that was a possibility? Absolutely. I had a part in my speech that I didn't say because I recognized we were in San Luis Obispo. <laughs> that if you think about the Nat Turner Rebellion, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. August 21st, 1831. Yeah. The most successful rebellion of enslaved people in this country. When they finally caught Nat Turner, they put his head on a stake. And that was meant to be a deterrent against all other folks who had been enslaved to deter them from rising up. What they're doing is figuratively putting Tiana's head on a stake. They're saying, if you dare stand up, we will prosecute you. Here's the thing, we're not gonna be deterred. We are the descendants of Harriet Tubman, who said, you know, whatever it takes, we're gonna win. Whatever it takes, we're gonna win. And we're gonna also make sure that Tiana's head is not staked. We're gonna flank her, we're gonna surround her, and we're gonna demand her freedom. I also, one, one last question, and I wanted to ask this, because here's the thing that we deal with within uh, unfortunate communities, and um, that's just, the respectability uh, politics, and that's the, that saying is that we should protest according to the oppressive ideas of protest. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely not. I mean, you're from LA. You yeah, know yeah. how I get there. <laughs> no, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, exactly. right? Exactly. And so it's really important that we use every single tool in our toolbox, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, we have to vote Jackie Lacey out in November. Oh yeah. Right. We have to vote. We mm -hmm. have to pass bills. We have to pass AB 731, the police decertification bill that was written in the name and in honor of Kenneth Ross Jr. Mm -hmm. However, that's not all we can do, right? We have to be in these streets. We have to shut it down. We have to remember what Tiana said. If she don't get no justice, they don't get no justice, exactly. right? And so we're going to continue to use every single tool in our toolbox to get justice in the name of Tiana, but also in all of our names. And most importantly, Jacob Blake, too, who was just checking on his kids and he's paralyzed from the waist down. That's one of the, and this is currently what is going on. This is one of the reasons why we need to be constantly having, particularly, our foot on their backs to make sure that they understand that we're not going anywhere. Right, in the name of Jacob Blake and also in Los Angeles, there's another father of three, Anthony McLean, whose life was stolen about a week ago, yeah. right? So oftentimes in Los Angeles, 
we're standing up for folks around the country, but Los Angeles kills more people. Los Angeles County um, law enforcement kills more people than any other set of law enforcement units in the country. Mm -hmm. And so we can't afford to just say Jacob Blake. Mm -hmm. We have to also say Anthony McLean. We also have to say Kenneth Ross Jr. We have to say Keisha Michael, whose twin sister was on the bus with us um, to come up here today, right? So it's really important that we think about what's happening around the world, but also what's happening locally. Well, very well said. Thank you very much, thank Dr. Abdullah. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and High. I thank you all for listening, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.